Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to the return from the holidays set version of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner. As always, Chris Lee's out on Long Island joins me. We're gonna we're gonna take the show just upon ourselves. We're gonna go in depth into the Vegas Golden Knights as they reach the halfway point of the season, and then we're gonna go around the league and look at all the other division races and get get each other's thoughts on on where the other division are headed and highlight a few teams as we go along through the journey. So uh, hang with us. We'll be right back. All right, hockey fans, here we go. We're going to go in-depth with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, We're going to break the ice. First, let me bring in Chris. Chris, good day to you, sir. How are things out on Long Island? Uh, They're very good. Happy New Year, buddy. Um, um, You know, I'm a little – I'm entering this show with a little trepidation because, you know, the last time we did a show was December 15th and Saturday the 15th, and the Knights were coming off. Even though they got a point, arguably their worst – loss of the year and giving a game away to the, the Devils. And since yeah. that time, they've gone 7-1-2. And, two. and uh, you know, obviously they're playing their best hockey of the year, and we've been yeah. away. So, like, now that we're back, if they kind of go we, through a losing streak, I mean, I feel it, like... Is it our fault? Be, is it our fault? Yeah. So Is it like but, yeah, uh, no, call, calling out a pitcher on a no hitter and using the words no hitter when the seventh inning, and then you come up come up and the leadoff guy hits a home run and spoils the no hitter and the shutout all in one shot? Is that what we're doing here? Yeah, I mean they've been playing <laughs> they've been playing well though. I mean I know yeah, there was sure. you know a couple home losses in overtime, one of which we talked about briefly yesterday off air. Yeah. Uh, I know it was the Montreal game, I think, where they gave up a late goal yeah. and then lost in overtime. But you know, I mean, you'll take seven one and two in any ten yeah. in any ten game ten ten game stretch. Uh, I wrote a I know, wrote obviously a summary up uh, this morning and posted it on the VegasHockeyPodcast dot com for anyone who wants to read up on last night's win against Anaheim. Um, they they you know they've done five straight. They've got points in eight straight. Uh, those two overtime losses, the one against the Kings, whatever. Um, the Montreal game kind of stuck in my craw because they gave up the, the tying goal late in a game, and you never like giving up a last-minute goal. But um, other, excuse me, other than that, the Knights have uh, moved into third place defensively overall in the National Hockey League with a 2.64 goals allowed. Excuse me again, when, when most people think of the Knights, they think speed and skill and offense, but um, with Flurry, Flurry holding down much of the goaltending work, uh, the last two months of, of the season, um, and and the team defense playing in front of them improving. Um, during that five-game win streak, they've allowed two goals, no goals, one goal, one goal, one goal, and then back in that overtime loss against the Kings, they gave up four and four back-to-back with the Kings of Montreal. Um, so the, the defense has been coming around. The five-on-five uh, play has been coming around. Um, th- we've got a nice spark from Brandon Peary, who was up from Chicago, oh. in uh, in Max Pacioretty's absence. There's a huge Twitter outcry yesterday uh, when he got sent down and they activated Max Pacioretty. But all Max did was show up and and then get the game winner uh, last night 
a wild second period uh, that the, the Ducks and, and Nice played. Uh, tough, tough to, and then also with the odd mood of, of claiming the Valentin Zykoff off waivers. Um, it put the front office in a little bit of a quandary on what to do. Perry came up six goals and nine points in seven games. And they had, when you claim someone on waivers, you have to keep them on the roster or expose him to waivers. Um, so Perry being the only waiver exempt player available had to go back to Chicago. But Kel- as I mentioned in the article that posted to avayshockeypodcast.com, uh, Kelly McCrimmon yesterday in an interview with Gary Lawless said that, said, quote, he'll be back. So it looks like they're either working on making a move, uh, moving out a depth winger, maybe get a fifth, fourth or fifth round pick for, and I don't want to throw anybody's names out and start speculation, but there's some depth wingers on the roster that definitely haven't been contributing uh, the way Peary has. So maybe, maybe there's a move in the works where they could free up a roster spot by getting rid of uh, move, moving out a, a, a depth winger and, and creating a roster spot for Peary. So stay tuned there. It sounds like they really want to keep him on the, on the big club, so to speak. And now we got a three-way race for the division between the Knights, mm-hmm. the Flames, and the Sharks, all very tight. I know the Flames and the Knights are at, I believe, 54 points, although the Flames have a couple games in hand. I think the Knights have played more games than both the Sharks and the Flames. And than the anybody in the National Hockey League, sir. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, Sharks the Knights are, are number one in games played, yes. Wow. So then the Sharks are a couple points behind that, but – I think what I'm what we're seeing here is both one it's going to be a three-way race for the division and two I think these three teams have separated themselves from the rest of the division it's hard I don't it's hard for me to see any of the other teams uh given where they're at uh even getting pushing one of these three three teams to get to the third spot maybe they'll you know maybe a team or two uh below uh, where the sharks are currently are in third place will wind up pushing for one of the wild card spots, but I, I'm, I'd be very uh, surprised uh, that in some order, one, two, and three, is, you know, you're going to have Vegas, Calgary, and, and San Jose. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Calgary was on a bit of a tailspin, losing four in a row before picking up a win and then uh, dropping one in Boston. So uh, keep an eye on Calgary. I, Mike Smith has not been the answer. I, I, well documented that I'm not a I'm not a, a, a huge Mike Smith fan. I thought that was a mistake for them to pick that up, and um, so still unsettled in goal there with Calgary, and and maybe it's starting to show a little bit with Anaheim falling last night. That was their seventh straight loss. Uh, San Jose sits at 51. Anaheim six points back at 45. Vancouver um, 44, which is 10 points behind Calgary and Vancouver. I, with, with have you have you heard the results of Pedersen's MRI? He he got tangled up in in a nasty play where his leg got stuck underneath him and and got off the ice, but it did not look like a good situation with that leg. Did you did you hear his MRI results yet? Uh, on Peterson from Vancouver, no, I I think there it hasn't been. I haven't seen anything. I, I didn't look okay. this morning, but I I have If he's out. Anything. If he's if he's out for any length of time, uh, Vancouver's done. Edmonton, after you know they got hot with when bringing in Coach Hitchcock, but they've kind of leveled off lately. Um, and then Arizona and LA, they're not coming anywhere near the playoffs. So that, that next group of three, 
uh, with what I saw out of John Gibson last night, I still got to give the edge to Anaheim as as a team that could push for that that wild card spot. As a matter of fact, right now they're in the second wild card spot, one point ahead of Vancouver, four points clear of Minnesota. Although Minnesota has three games in hand, um, but let's get back to the Golden Knights. They've got some roster questions: what they're going to do and how they're going to get Peary up. Are we going to get uh, Malcolm Subban, who's played very good hockey in his last two starts? Is that yeah. going to be an indicator of, of maybe being able to get uh, Flurry some rest here coming up with the schedule being? Favorable. One thing I wanted to mention too, Chris, um, the Knights are entering a uh, two-month period where they only have to go on the road eight times. And by, by putting on this little surge in late December and, and here in early January, what they've done is they've set themselves up very well to take a run at the division title um, and defend their Pacific Division crown from last season. Um, we, know, we know this team thrives at T-Mobile. It's a very tough building for opposing teams to come in and play, and with only having to go on the road eight times in the next two months, and only what what did you say two two three game road trips out of out of the uh, entire two months? They have a they have a let's see I might have uh, they have a four game road trip in early February, and then in er, and then mid March early to mid March they have a three gamer. They only have fifteen so road they, games. Uh, left. So, yeah. I mean, and they, that they road got a lot trip of home games. It's not really a terrible road trip, that four gamer. It's Carolina, Florida, back to back, then two days off to Tampa Bay. You're already in Florida, so you're not traveling between, you know, Sunrise and, and Tampa that bad. And then up to Detroit with a day off, and then a day off before you start a four game homestand. Um, right. The, 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 as, with everything the Golden Knights have gone through early in the season, with um, Tuck missing the first uh, seven, eight games, Stastny missing two and a half months, Halla being lost for the year, um, Theodore missing camp Probably. and coming in. His first game played uh, was the first game of the season, and it took him a while to Schmidt. get going. Uh, Schmidt being out for 20 games. Um, with everything and the schedule being so, so road centric, uh, we talked about that five games five game stretch in seven days there. Um, and, and, and the, I mean, opening up was a tough road trip the first week of the season, everything they've gone yep. into to, to end up here to start the new year tied for second overall in the national hockey league in points with Calgary and Toronto. I, I think this sets them up for a, for a very solid second half of the season. If, if they can stay healthy uh, solidify their lineup. I, I'd love to see Perry back up with his club, even if you have to move a Carpenter or a Lindbergh or somebody to make room for him. If, if you could set up a third line with Eakin, Nosek, and Perry, and then obviously fourth line Carrier, Belmar, Reeves. Uh, the second line, when that group has been able to get on the ice together, which hasn't been for very many games, uh, the Pacioretty, Staffing, Tuck line seems to be money in the bank. Uh, the first line's been been coming along, getting going there. You know, uh, Carlson. Now that we're at the half pace, halfway point, where you could project him to be thirty goal scorer, thir- uh, sixty point player. Same with Marshall. So, uh, Tuck's going to be knocking on the door at thirty goals. Um, so, I mean, that solidifies that lineup heading into this part of the season. And the the, the schedule is favorable to the Golden Knights from here on out. So, health is going to be a, a play a big role. And and how they go forward, and I I don't, you know, they're they're in front of Nashville. Winnipeg's been been kind of hot and cold this season. I don't see any reason why the Golden Knights can't contend for second overall in the National Hockey League by the by the time the playoffs roll around. What say you? 
Yeah, I know, and and also interesting to note they play the Sharks three more times, including up up the upcoming uh, homestand they're about to start, and they play Calgary twice. So, I, like you said, I think uh, getting healthy bodies, the, you know, they help. They're probably help more healthy or have a complete roster more than they've uh, they've had since uh, uh, since the the whole year. Uh, the schedule is favorable. They're playing well. They seem to be back to playing. Uh, Playing uh, a complete game. Um, again, the, you know, you also have to like the fact that, unlike some of the other divisions, I think there's a little bit of a cushion, so you don't have to feel like, you know, every game is a life or death kind of thing, and you just yeah. keep keep st- keep stacking the wins, uh, as they say. And uh, yeah, it's like a, I think they're going to be in a good. And also because of that, I think it puts them in position. We've talked about this at nauseum, especially the last month of the shows. Uh, but you know, Super and that's played well. The one loss that they had in this last ten in regulation was a one nothing loss in Columbus, where Supan played really well. Um, you know, again, Flurry's a number Agreed. one guy. He's going to play most of the time. But uh, you know, he's also a guy I believe who just recently turned thirty four. So and he's got a right. lot of hockey under his belt. So uh, I'd like to see Subban play a little bit more. So you know, because obviously when the playoffs come around, it's uh, it's Flurry's baby. So uh, you got to keep that in mind as well. So you want to have a full throttle, uh, fresh uh, Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, I mean, he was as good as the Knights were in the playoffs last year. He was their best player, which uh, you know uh, led to them getting to the Stanley Cup final. So, uh, like I said, it's going to be an interesting race uh, with these three teams. Um, obviously, the division winner will uh, get the quote-unquote, if you will, advantage of playing a wild-card team uh, versus the two teams that don't win the division, they're going to face off against each other in the first round, which which means it's going to be a heck of a first-round matchup. Anyway, you slice it, if it's, you know, the Knights against either the Flames or Sharks or the Knights win the division and then it's Sharks, Flames, and first round. Wow. You know, what a, what a first-round matchup that will be. So um, not that it would be a cakewalk for the team that wins the division versus a wild-card team, but I think it's a little bit different uh, uh, facing a Sharks or Flames versus facing, let's say, an Anaheim or a Minnesota, if you will. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And get, getting back to how – I mean, they're coming around their last three games. They've, they have they outshot the Ducks last night 42-27. to 27. Um, The game before that against the Kings, 48-17. Game before that against Arizona, 37-30. So we're starting to see that <laughs> – that, uh, that Vegas Golden Knights team that that takes possession of the puck and keeps it, um, they're starting to roll their lines, starting to play consistently in the other team's end, um, and it's it's showing up with, you know, they, the other team can't score if they don't have the puck, and that was one of the Knights' strength last year was was possessing the puck, keeping it in the offensive zone, uh, changing lines during possessions where you you would see at least once or twice a game where they would go through a couple full scale changes while holding the uh while holding the puck in the offensive zone which is is pretty tough to do in today's day and age. Um so we're starting to see that happen again and and I I just think this team still hasn't played its best hockey, which is kind of odd to say as much as we're singing their praises. I think there's there's still more to come. I think there's still chemistry to build between that second line as good as they play uh Stastny, Pacioretty, and Tuck. I think there's still chemistry to build there. I think the first line can um improve on their their stats 
uh, goal scoring wise with Riley Smith on their side, although he's leading the league in the team in assists. Um, I think that third line still has some work to be done, depending on who ends up playing there uh, consistently. The fourth line's been great. Uh, I think this team can play better than they have. Um, I, I think that doesn't bode well. And you know, with San, San Jose's been up and down, they seem like they're, they're starting lately, to. Though. Yeah, they seem like, and I, I I wanted to see, you know, after Evander Kane joined last year at the trade deadline, I wanted, I, I, I that was one player I was really worried about with San Jose. Eric Carlson, it's taken him a while to get going, but, he's you know, the that. way he's starting, he, you know, he's starting to heat up. He took a two-game suspension, but um, when you, when you look, when you look down the Sharks roster, and I want, I'm pulling it up just to make sure I have these numbers right, because Evander Kane's been basically underwhelming um, so far this season. Just got his 12th goal the other night. Um, you, 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 they're they're exactly 42 games halfway, one game over halfway through the season. So he's on pace for 20, 24 goals. Um, after what he did with them at the end of the season last year, I was I was worried Evander Kane would come out with a 35-40 goal campaign, and so far it hasn't happened yet. If, if Evander Kane can get hot, the Sharks might be somebody to worry about. But I I, th- I think the Golden Knights are in prime position uh, to go on on. I, I'm not going to put numbers on it. Let's say if over the next two months with these home games, if they, if they don't go 15 and five in that stretch, I'd probably be be pretty surprised. Yeah. And I think it's a good segue to jump into the division in terms of, uh, we've talked a little bit about Calgary and San Jose, uh, you know, in terms of my thoughts of those two teams, you know, Calgary, I mean, look, they've been one of the dynamic offensive teams and, Ironically, it's really, I mean, huge years from four guys, uh, Goudreau, Monaghan, Elias Lindholm, who they got in the trade in the offseason trade with Carolina, and uh, yep. Matthew Tuchuk. Uh You know, for me, the big question for them is their goaltending, not so much for the regular season. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, that could stop them from winning the division, coming up just short in terms of winning the division. But, you know, Mike Smith and, and David Ritchie, who's actually been, you know, He's going to, yeah, he's 13 and four, uh, three overtime losses and a 2.39 goals against and a 9.2 David Riddich. Um, he's going to, if he hasn't already, he's going to take the number one spot. Mike Smith played the other night in Boston and didn't really look good. Um, I think he's got to be their number one going on, but he's, you know, 26 years old. So when you get to the playoffs, like you say, what uh who do they go with and and what does David Riddich bring you yeah. in the when when play tightens up and the Calgary's not going to be able to be that freewheeling offensive club um once the once the playoff game gets underway yeah they're going to have you know is that going to be good enough that combo in terms of you know ha- being success in terms of having a playoff run if you will uh, obviously, expectations are set high in Calgary. Uh, they got a good deep defense, so uh, it'll be interesting to see if they if they do something between now and the trade deadline in terms of a goalie. And the Sharks, it's taken them some time. They haven't like kind of like the Knights. They haven't been overly impressive, but they've gotten a little bit better each month. Uh, yeah, it took Earl Curl, so like we said, a long time to get going. He had a full point game, I think, within the last week. He seems like he's starting to get going. 
like you mentioned, if uh, and and their their two goalies were very good, obviously, and yeah. Martin Jones and Aaron Dell. I don't think they're having the best of seasons. Their save percentage isn't the greatest. So if they can elevate their play, get more secondary scoring, I mean, come the playoffs, I would I would be more wary of a San Jose Sharks team. Uh, than a Calgary team, if you will, because I think they're even though the Sharks don't have the firepower that the Flames do, I think they're more of a complete team. So um, uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, this race between the the three the three of them. Uh, uh, so I guess in terms of the other teams in the division, uh, well, hold, hold I mean, this question. Chris. Okay, real, real quick, real quick on the Sharks. One thing that concerns me: um, Brent Burns is obviously named to the All Star team this week. Um, yeah. He's their leading scorer. Uh, I don't know if, if I mean, seven goals, 37 assists, 44 points. Um, Logan Couture second with 41 and Pavelski 37. I'd like to see more from, from Timo Meyer and Thomas Hurdle sitting at 35 and 33 points respectively. I'd like to see a forward be, be pushing uh, Brent Burns for for leading scorer on the team. Couture is only three points back with 41 points, but sitting at 15 goals, 26 assists. I'd like to see more out of the forward. I'd like to see Evander Kane exert himself more. There's uh, with Carlson sitting at 33 points. There's two defensemen on the club that are scoring at a and at a greater rate than Evander Kane is. Um, it, I, I'd like to see more offensive production out of the Sharks' top six. San Jose, uh, Thornton sitting at 18 points, uh, Kane at 27 points, Mark Edward Vlasic D not too far behind. Um, the, the one thing I'd like to see get going a little more for the Sharks to be able to move up in that division and challenge Vegas and Calgary. I, I'd like to see more offensive production out of the Sharks top six. Yeah, and, and you'll be interested to see if they if they go shopping to get an. Uh, it seems like every year we talk about this with them. They go shopping to get yeah. uh, another scorer. I mean, obviously they were in on the John Tavares sweepstakes um, last uh, last June, so uh, you know they want to. In terms of the rest of the division, I mean, just a lot of questions. I mean, you look at, I mean, Anaheim. I mean, it's the same old story, right? Good, Gibson. good defensive play, great goaltending, and Gibson who's had a terrific year. They can't score. You know, I mean, Vancouver to me is overachieved, and Peterson it, it looks like a star, um, but. If he's out for a period of time, uh, I don't know if they yeah. can stay in on the periphery. Edmonton, I mean, I've come to the conclusion that they're trying to be a top team with basically two dominant players, and I don't think that's – I don't care how good, and they are that good, in McDavid and Drysaddle, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's possible. Arizona is still not ready for prime time, and they can't score, you know, Um and then last but not least, the Kings, uh, which I think we have a major rebuild coming with them. Um, I agree. Which, you know, so that's kind of how I see the rest of the division. And, I mean, I'd be surprised if more than one of these teams is in that wild card race, to be honest with you. Well, we I remember, I think it was before the trade deadline, we talked with Rob Soria over at the Oil Drop Block. Um, yeah. Yeah, you could, you could follow Rob at oil underscore drop for Edmonton Oilers uh, content. But I remember last year we were talking with him and, and we were breaking down their salary cap, their players that they had, the the players that were going to be due, uh, the, the depth on defense that seems to be lacking. And even Rob, 
by the time we were done with that conversation, we were painting a pretty dismal picture of how tough it would be for Shirelli to upgrade that roster with the way the way the salary, you know, with with McDavid, obviously he's getting paid a lot and he's worth every penny. Um, Drysidel, uh, you you got to kind of hope it comes from within, and you're under that that three year entry level contract with some of these players that come up, and I'm not sure their pipeline is is showing that it's going to be able to do that. Um, the coaching change kind of sparked them a little bit, but. If they can contend for that second wild card spot, I know in the Pacific Division preview show I I said I thought Connor McDavid would be able to drag them into the the wild card position in that in that division, but it, it's it's going to be tough for Edmonton to put a, a, like you said they're trying to build around two great players, which is a you know we've seen Chicago do it with Kane and Taves, we've seen Pittsburgh do it with Malkin and Crosby. But their depth was a lot better than what Edmonton's been able to put on the ice. So that's, that's I I just we were getting ready for the show this week, and I just remembered that that conversation with Rob last season about how tough it's going to be for Torelli to to upgrade that roster around those two great players that they have, and it, it's still um, still proving to be a challenge for them. And yeah, the the rest of the division, if Patterson's out. Then I, I don't think Vancouver can make a run. They got three great young players in Horvat, Besser, and Patterson. Um, they'll probably need a year or two to put the pieces together around that group. But all three of those have been all stars now. Um, Patterson was either first or second in the league in rookie scoring. He's just a dynamic, exciting player to watch. Um, it, it's going to really handcuff them if, if if he's out for any length of time, pending the results of that MRI. And, yeah, Arizona and the Kings, you know how I feel about the Kings. I think they lost their identity and who they are. I don't think it's any stretch to say that if they had continued on just trying to be who they are and what their personnel dictates, they, you know, the style that they play, they'd be a lot farther up in the division. But management dictated the, the style needed to change, coaching change. Before last season didn't work, Stevens was out, brought in the – the the next that that's not working. You're trying to play a game you don't have the manpower to play. Um, you're picking up players like Brendan Leipzig off waivers who are fast, quick players. It just it's just not working. They they need to. I, I don't know what you do. Uh, if you could well, get... I think I think especially with this draft coming up, which is another it looks like a great draft, and you know. Uh, even if you don't even if you don't get the lucky ping pong balls bouncing, because keep in mind the team with the worst record the, who has the best chance is only twenty percent to to win the yeah. lottery. But um you know, yeah, I mean you gotta do your diligence and where they're at in terms of, you know, what you can get in return for Dustin Brown, Jeff Carter, Jake Muzzin. And when he comes back healthy, Alec Martinez, because, you know, I, I think Jonathan that's where they got to look. I, yeah, I mean, if I the mean, right field is there. It, yeah, who? I mean, the, uh, we yeah. talked about this before. What Are you going? Are you going to get the Jonathan Quick in last year's playoffs? He was just the vintage Jonathan Quick against the Vegas Golden Knights. Or are you going to get the guy who's on his, I think, fourth groin injury, who already missed time this season, came back early, had to go back on the IR, and you have uh, Campbell out, you know, out playing in this season. Um, it, it, you know, does someone take a flyer on a quick for a pick? 
than a prospect. Someone like Philly, maybe you're not going to trade him in division to Calgary, but somebody back east who wants to take a sh- – I said take a flyer on, uh, no pun intended there from the Philadelphia faithful, but um, it, I, I think it's tough for, for Rob Blake to do much with this roster – I mean, you could. Jake Muzzin has been their best defensive player, and he does have some offensive upside. He's on a reasonable four million dollar a year cap hit, and if you don't think that, you know, you're going to be in the playoffs, obviously you're not this season. Uh, if you don't think some offseason tinkering is going to do it, um, how long do you hold on to that that group? And and I think now's the time to be aggressive. I agree with you. I agree with and, with and, you. And uh, I think you see what's out there. Good you could probably get a good top six forward and maybe a mid-level draft pick and another, you know, B-grade prospect for a Muzzin maybe. I might be overreaching that a little bit, maybe a pick or a prospect. But, you know, he's he could be a well, top I think, two. I think, could, Go ahead. I think they could do well with both Muzzin and, and Carter. I mean, I especially Muzzin, yeah, I, everyone's going to, you know, you sign anything through the next year at a $4 million number. Um, I, I, I think for those two guys, uh, you know, Jeff Carter me would be a perfect fit right. on Boston. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, a team like a team like that. So, um, yeah, I would think they would be. Uh, Carter's on a great you know, hit too. Carter's under yeah, five point two under six. Yeah, under under he's five point two through. I think he's got what two three or three years, years left. 20, yeah, twenty twenty one. Right. So yeah. I mean, you, you got you got cost certainty with a second line center proven scorer. Um, they could get a long way down the road on the rebuild if they were willing to pull the trigger on, on those two players. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So why don't we jump over to the, the central, which looks like a powerhouse, but has kind of been, I don't want to say limping Man. along, but been inconsistent lately. I mean, I guess looking at the top three, currently Winnipeg, Nashville, Colorado, uh, you know, Winnipeg to me is in first place, and, and they have a really good record. But to me, they've yet to really take flight, uh, which I guess is kind of a scary thing uh, if you're not a uh, Winnipeg no Jets fan. Intended. No pun intended, yeah. right? The oh, Jets take right. flight. <laughs> uh, Nashville we went go. through a rough stretch recently, mm-hmm. losing six in a row before having a couple of good wins this week. Uh, their power play is awful. Um, they need another score uh, on that team as well. And Colorado looked like the the darling team, and then they've kind of really struggled. They had a big, nice win last night against the Rangers. Uh, their top line is ridiculously good, but they're not getting a lot of production really from the rest of the team. So, uh, you know, you kind of wonder. I mean, to me, I, I'd be shocked if they didn't make the playoffs, but that to me is not a formula for a team going deep into the playoffs. So uh, that's kind of where I see those top three teams. How do you see them? Well, uh, right, right now with Dallas's overtime win yesterday against Washington, they've moved into the third spot there. And it, oh, okay. Excuse me, <coughs> excuse me uh, Colorado's holding the first wild card spot right now. It's uh, it's a tie at forty eight points with Colorado, but Dallas has two more uh, regulation wins than Colorado oh, okay. does, twenty two to twenty. So Dallas is going to be in the mix. Um, last week or or the week before, their owner came out. And slammed a couple of their top players. Said they don't. Actually, they don't play their, hard. Their CEO. It was actually their CEO. CEO. Okay. Owner. CEO. Yeah, yeah. One. Uh, one of the top guys. Not the owner, but one of the. Top somebody you don't want to see. Uh, and I'm. I'm going to say this, Chris. 
it's somebody you don't want to see mouthing off in the press about the players on the team. Um, if, if the coach needs to put somebody on blast or, or, or some, somebody within the locker room, uh, lead, you know, the team leadership needs to say something behind closed doors, then, then that's where you want to keep it. You don't need anybody in the front office. Uh, and, and you know what? If someone in the front general manager, CEO, whoever wants to come out and say we need more from the group, you know, general comments, uh, fine. They own the team, their CEO, whatever. That's their prerogative to do. But for someone in the office to call out players on the ice in, in such a direct and, and it was brutal fashion, um, I think that's out of low line. Class. How about low class, too? Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no class there. And, and you know, but, but I will say it seems to have lit a fire under them. Um, they have been playing much, <laughs> much better the last week or so. Um, but I, I don't like that. I, I, I'm a, I'm a behind closed doors kind of a guy. If you, yeah, right after you. the game, uh, you've seen Coach Gallant call out somebody right after the game. Uh, the, the famous one last year in New York on the first road trip of the team, uh, Perron had taken two back-to-back penalties, and the Knights were leading, and then and the, the power play goals ensued by the Rangers. They ended up losing that game. And right after the game, Gallant said, uh, Perron knows better than that. He's a veteran player. We're not an expansion team, and we're not going to be playing that way. Uh, Knights fans remember that well. If it comes from the coach and it's a direct response to to a game situation and you put it behind you, that's one thing. If it's the team leadership, it needs to stay behind closed doors and the front office. You know, I, I was thinking uh, Ben Ben should have just said, uh, you know what he needs to do is make sure my check gets signed and we'll leave it at that. Uh, I would have loved to see a, that kind of a response to, to kind of put management yeah. back in their what- place. What's interesting about Dallas is we, you know, obviously when you say the Dallas Stars, right, you think of two top, top offensive talents in Sagan and, and Ben, and, and Radwell sure. too shabby himself. But yet, uh, again, secondary <clears throat> scoring, big problem. 20, that team is 27th in the league today for them. Is their fifth in the league in goals against? So, yep. um, you know, they, they've and gotten Heisken, not to Heisken is going to be a yeah, you can see why they refuse. You could see you're seeing why and how smart they were to refuse to give up, give him up in any trade for Eric Carlson in any kind of package. No question. So, no question. He looks like he's going to be one of the top five blue liners for years to come. I mean, he that that, that pick is looking like gold right gold. now. So, um, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. I, I think I think they're in a good position. I think Dallas can challenge for that third spot for sure. Yeah, again, they need another guy. They need help, which, ironically, you wouldn't think a team that has Ben Sagan and Rodroff, but they need more. They need help on secondary scoring. So then we get to the rest of the division, and uh, boy, oh, boy. Um, you know, Minnesota, got, they kind of surprised me early. They got off to a really good start. But since Thanksgiving, they haven't played well. Uh, right around Christmas, they lost Matthew Jumber. Basically, for the rest of the season, I think they were saying like the next three late months brings us to like yeah, late March, early April, which is when the season ends. Right. So they, you know, so they lose one of their most dynamic players. Uh, to me, they're a team in transition. They have a number of young, very young players, and a number of very older players. So you know, you know, I not I don't I guess because of the teams fighting for that second wild card, maybe by 
you know, uh, they'll, they'll, they should be in the in the mix for that second wild card spot, but um, not high on them at all. Uh, in terms of Chicago, we've talked about this. Although that kid goalie that played the other night against the Islanders was unbelievable, he made over 50 saves. Uh, but Corey Crawford being out again with a concussion issue, which is very very That's scary. That's scary. Uh, yeah, I don't and like that. Again, yeah, I mean, again, the Hawks are just not strong enough defensively, and they're just not deep enough. I mean, they have again some. You know, they have Patrick Kane and they have Jonathan Taze and they have to bring Cat, you know, um, but they're just not deep enough. And then we get to St. Louis, who's been by far, by far the biggest disappointment in the league. Well, let me and back up kudos on to you. Let me back yeah, up on them for Let me back up because Minnesota, um, right now, they've, and keep in mind, Anaheim's lost seven in a row. Um, Minnesota's still four points back of that second wild card spot. Um, Anaheim pushing one point back, or Vancouver is one point back, but if, if Pedersen's out, I don't see them making a, a push for it. I, I would not be surprised if that Western Conference finishes uh, pretty much the way it sits right now. Uh, I, I don't see any way Minnesota's going to, unless something crazy at the trade deadline, but um, with with the, where they are in that division right now, they've fallen. Um, Colorado and and Dallas tied at forty eight points. There's already a six seven a seven point separation back to Minnesota at forty one points. Um, gonna be very hard for them to come back and challenge unless Dubnik goes on another run like he did a couple years back to end the season when he was something like twenty twenty six seven and three or something, something, something ridiculous like that. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if this division finishes up with those four and maybe one of either Dallas or Colorado slip into that second wild card. Um, yeah. Sh- Chicago would... pretty much in the same boat as the Kings, in my opinion, they need, they need to, and we talked, we, you know, we kind of chit-chatted about this, and we were going to save it for an OT segment. But uh, when do you move Patrick Kane and and try and get parts and pieces and picks to uh, rebuild that? That's got to be on everybody's mind too. Um, but yeah, St. Louis, go ahead with them. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not just talking this all out, um, and they have a lot of work to do to get in the playoff race. But when you look at that second wild card spot. And it's either going to be, let's say, Anaheim or Vancouver or Edmonton or Minnesota. You know, maybe by default, if St. Louis can get going, uh, they can they can wind up sliding into that spot. But they have a lot of work to do. Been a team in turmoil. Fired their coach this year. They're going with an interim coach. Ironically, you know, his penalty the other night aside, David, the two new guys, David Braun and Ryan O'Reilly, have been far the best players. I don't know what's going on with Tarasenko. Braden Shen, maybe he, maybe last year was kind of, you know, all the stars aligned and that he's more of a 50-point guy than than the year he had last year. In fact, even I saw him in some kind of trade rumor uh, today. Um, they've been they've been major disappointments just all around. Obviously, Jake Allen has been Jake Allen, very up and down. Up and so you down. Up. Inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You add all that up, and and you know, it's a pretty good division and. Yeah, I, I, it, it's just been a gigantic disappointment. And uh, and again, if it wasn't for the fact that that second wild card spot, um, unlike the East, where it's a real battle in the terms of the, when you look at the top nine, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know where I don't know where they go from here. I mean, 
you know, obviously I don't think they're going to do anything crazy, crazy between now and the trade deadline, but, you know, they're going to have to do some soul-searching for this this offseason. Yeah, I I mean, we talked about it yesterday. Um, I didn't like them preseason. I don't like it when you move no, out. You I mean, they were one one point from being a playoff team last year, having traded Stasny at the deadline. Um, I mean, it's no stretch at all to think if they have Stasny the final 25, 30 games of the season that that's a playoff roster. I mean, there's, in my mind, there's no doubt that they that they make a playoff push and, and make the playoffs in the West if they keep Paul Stasny. And I believe that more now that I've seen more of him play on a on more of a day to day basis. Um, and seven players in and six or seven players out, six players in, you, you blow your roster up from being a playoff team just to bring in, excuse me, um, a Ryan O'Reilly, and you trade away your depth forwards. Uh, look what they've done for Buffalo. We'll get to them in a little in a minute, but. That that created all the all the difference in the world for the Buffalo Sabers was moving one player out and freeing up salary cap space so they could trade for a Jeff Skinner and the the Thompsons and the Berglund who didn't work out uh, weird situation with with Patrick Berglund but the depth that that created on the Sabers roster is directly related to how well the Sabers are doing this year and I didn't like it preseason and and it's proven to be the case that 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 did not work. And I mean, they're, they're, every now and then you'd like to see a little, a little tussle or a scuffle in practice, maybe in the preseason with guys that are trying to, to make the roster and and compete for a roster spot. But not in the middle of the season when, when you're 20, 25 <laughs> games in, you got two of your players throwing throwing blows in practice. That's just not a, a sign of a healthy locker room, sir. And and you know I'm big on, on chemistry and, and how things go in the room. And I got to believe that all that change and all those personalities that got brought in just did not match in St. Louis. And I think you have to move a lot of those players back out again. Yeah, I tell you what, there'll be a lot of teams who will be very interested in uh, uh, if they ever that to think about it. Uh, well, especially Tarasenko. But I would want to know what's going on over there. But anyway, why don't we why don't we jump over to the East? Let's start with the Atlantic. I mean, I don't know really what there's much to say about Tampa other than that they're clearly clearly the number one team in the NHL. Even on nights when they don't have it all together, they win. I mean, um, you know, to me, it's all about them winning the cup this year. If they can put it all together, get the you know, uh, there's a team that could maybe be there. Is there a team out there matchup wise can be their kryptonite like the Capitals were last year? I don't know, but uh, it, it's pretty clear that uh, you know they're 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 the team to beat in the East, and they're the big yep. favorite in terms of uh, heading into the heading into the playoffs. I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, the, there's no question they are. I thought I thought last year we were looking at a Vegas Golden Knights Tampa Bay Lightning uh, final. Uh, Tampa was going home with a three to two three to two edge. And somehow just didn't manage to put one of those last two games away to move into the final. Um, I think Steve Eiserman deserves so much credit for what he's been able to do with the salary cap and and the players. And it goes back to um, getting Steven Stamkos to re-sign at a reasonable cap hit a few years back. Um that set the tone for that team. 
and the other other players have have fallen in line and maybe taken less to stay there. Uh, I, I think Coach Cooper is an underrated coach in this league, and and it, when it's all said and done, I think he deserves a lot of credit for ushering in this new age of of skill fast hockey that we're seeing in the National Hockey League now uh because a lot especially in the east where teams have had to adjust their style of play to his system and they've really been able to dictate the way that they want to play to other teams this season and and I don't you know I don't see any way that that's going to change barring and they've proven that they can uh when with Stamkos on the shelf with injuries, they've proven that Vasilevsky, when he had to come in for Bishop a couple times in the playoffs, he he's proven that he can be a playoff performer. I think they wore him out last season. He, he you know, uh, talking with Dan Harrison, he, he, he came out and said that he was fatigued and tired in March. And I think maybe that had a lot to do with why they weren't able to seal the deal and make it to the Stanley cup final. I think, that he's a proven playoff goaltender, and and I think that right now that I don't think anybody in the East has been playing close to the level that Tampa Bay has. That's not a secret. I mean, they're, they're the best team in hockey this year, and it's up to everybody else to come up and prove them wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And then, then we get an interesting dynamic in terms of the next four teams of Toronto, Buffalo, Boston, Montreal. You know, Toronto's been the the most consistent team of the group uh, uh, in terms of they're one of the top offensive teams. Uh, they've been better, I would have to say, than expected in terms of net play and on the blue line. I think it's very important for them to finish in that number two spot because then that will guarantee them home ice uh, in the first round of playoffs, which I think is going to be very crucial because uh, I think we're destined for a Toronto-Boston uh, matchup in round one. And uh, I, I think Boston overall is the better complete team, especially when you talk about playoff hockey, even though Toronto's much more dynamic and offensive. So the fact that Toronto is going to go up against that, and if they were not to have the home ice, I, I, I uh, you know, I, if I was a Leafs fan, I would want to have that home ice. Uh, you know, Buffalo, we talked about being one of the big surprises. The question for me is staying power. Uh, they have a good mixture of youth. They've added uh, more players, more depth, uh, guys from Jeff Skinner to kind of Shiri to even a youngster like Paige Thompson we got to see on New Year's Eve when uh, uh, playing against the Isles. And, uh, uh, and not that he's lighting the world on fire in terms of statistics, but he looks like a pretty good young player. Uh, they got yep. him the Ryan O'Reilly deal. Uh, and then yep. we have Boston <laughs> who've had a ton of injuries. But yet yep. they're right there. They say they're getting healthy. Uh, I think they have everyone back, but McAvoy. They desperately need a score, another score. They're getting all their offensive production basically from, uh, you know, from four guys. You know, from, uh, you know, Marcus from Pasternak, uh, from uh, DeBrusque. Uh, you know, so um, they 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 need they Patrice could use Bergeron. a guy like Jeff Carter. Yes, so, they could uh, use a guy uh, like Jeff Carter. Carter. Yeah, he would be a good fit for them. So, you know, I still I still think that Toronto, the top three will be, clearly Tampa will be one, and I think uh, Toronto will probably, probably finish two. I like Boston, that third spot, which will give us a Toronto-Boston um, uh, first-round series. Again. Be another great first-round series. 
And, yep. uh, you know, Buffalo, to me, will be in the mix for that for a while. Uh, one of the top mixes for that wild card spot. So we can, we'll see if they have that staying power. Well, right right now you're looking at uh, Buffalo and Montreal both in a wild card spot. Uh, one point ahead of your New York Islanders, who we'll get to in a minute. They've been on fire. Um, but 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 look, uh, stick tap to Toronto. They they missed Matthews, I think, for a month. And they've still got tied yep. for second overall in the National Hockey League with 54 points. Stick tap, major stick tap to Boston, who at one point, all six of their defensemen were out for a couple games. And uh, missing, I think Bergie's been out. Uh, Marshawn's been out for a while um, And they're right there in the third spot At 50 points tied with Buffalo But they have one more regulation overtime win um, Stick tap to Buffalo uh, Eichel's out uh, They've had a couple other injuries But they've been able to, to maintain What they've been doing And uh, with, with Montreal Stick tap to them They brought in Max Domi and moved him to center And that's paid major dividends for them Carey Price is having uh, sort of a bounce back season, if you will, and they're only one point out of that three way tie for third. Um, I think it's going to be obviously Tampa's going to going to win that division, barring some major catastrophe there. Um, I don't see any reason why they can't be a four uh, team race for that. You know those top two spots in in the Atlantic Division. I think they might that might be the tightest division that we have to look at uh, the rest of the way. I think. The Skinner's out of his mind right now. And, I, you know, Lyle Richardson over at Spectres Hockey, I saw you tweeted one of his uh, rumor mill uh, that they, they're working feverishly to try and get him signed before the trade deadline. Uh, but his value right now is through the roof. Well, um, you could see why Carolina had to move him out. Yeah, being, uh, being, being the small market team Carolina is, uh, they had to move him out before the season started. You weren't going to um, – you weren't going to go forward with Skinner, um, but what he's what he's been able to do with Eichel is is fantastic. And and I, you know, we were, ta- we were talking about Buffalo earlier. I thought Carter Hutton was going to be a big part of the story of of uh, what the Buffalo Sabers were going to be able to do this year. And he's he's been off the hook good for them. Um, I oh, I, I think is yeah, they're the you know their backup's been. Oh, oh. Refresh Omar. my memory. Yeah, yeah, Linus Omar. Omar. Great Linus He's been Omar. very good too. They're getting great goaltending. Uh, but Carter Hutton's been been fantastic. He, he another guy St. Louis uh, let go of uh, to go with with Thompson, like you mentioned. Um, goodness gracious, how how would they? How would they, you know? I don't want to beat the dead horse that is the St. Louis Blues, but I I, did, uh, I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. But the the players that. Buffalo was able to get back in that Ryan O'Reilly deal has paid huge dividends for that club. I don't see any reason why they can't challenge for that third spot or even the second spot. Definitely uh, have their eyes on a wild card spot sitting in wild card position right now as we speak. Uh, and then Montreal is going to be right there too. Um, I think that might be the closest division we have to look at going going down the stretch here with four teams trying to get to that top top two positions. Montreal, to me, honestly, what a year for Max Domi, and boy, does that trade look great right now for Montreal. How about it? Uh, yeah. They've overachieved a bit, because keep in mind, they didn't have Shea Weber for the first couple months of the season. Again, yep. i gotta see, I got to see Jan- what January and February look like for Montreal and Buffalo in terms of staying power. I think they're. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to fall a drop, a fall like a stone, but um, 
uh, I, I, I want to see more. And um, I'll be interested yeah, to agree. see also what kind of players they will be. Will they try to do an, an addition? Uh, usually in the past couple of years, these teams have been sellers. Will they, will they try to be a buyer, if you will? Uh, so that's going to be interesting in terms of uh, uh, those two teams. And then we bring up the rear. What, I mean, Florida again. Okay. One more on Montreal. Uh, the the deal for Pacioretty brought in Thomas Tatar. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, 14 goals, 17 assists, 31 points, and a plus nine. Um, yeah, he's they, been great. If they decided to move on from their captain, then they got, and they have Nick Suzuki now in that pipeline, um, along with and Cody a Glass. Round pick coming up. Yeah, coming up, and right? a second this round year? pick. Uh, Part of, a big part of Team Canada, they they disappointed in the World Juniors. Um, I, I you know that's a nice trade, and Tatar has been playing very well for them. Um, he had a couple weeks stretch when he didn't score, but he's up. You know, more, if Pacioretty can stay on the ice, my, I have a, uh, a friend of mine at work. We have a bet on who's going to score more goals. Um, I actually took Tatar in that bet, so right now I have a fourteen to eleven lead. Uh, but yeah, the, the Tatar move in the off season, bringing in Max Domi and moving out Galchenyuk, uh, who had injury problems earlier this year in Arizona and hasn't really found his way yet. Um, had a minus four night against the Vegas Golden Knights last week. Uh, it would have been minus five, but he oddly enough scored on the power play. Uh, the one goal that Arizona was able to get, um, but the the off season moves have been very good to the Montreal Canadiens, and and if they are buyers at the deadline and they can bring in another piece or two, um, they're going to be in there for that wild card spot uh, in the East for sure. I think. Yeah, and then to wrap up the division, I mean, Florida to me again has been another disappointment. I know we had Dan Arigino and he he brought up uh, Trocheck being injured, but again, look at Boston, all the different injuries they've had at different yeah. points of times. I know Trocheck is more of a longer term injury, but there's just too much talent on the team. I mean, the goaltending and defensive numbers are, are, are have not been good. And I got to wonder, you know, there's got to be some soul searching for them uh, unless they have a real big second half, which they did last year, but they still came up short because of their disappointing first half. And, um, you know, in terms of coaching staff, in terms of maybe they bring in one of these young hotshot GMs um, and, and uh, you know, move on from Dale Talon, I, I don't know. Um there's just too much talent in my mind for where they're at to not at least be in the mix, more in the mix of the playoff spot, if you will. Uh, I know they're on the outer edge. They're not completely buried, but it's going to take a pretty pretty strong um, uh, second half to be in consideration. And, and Detroit and Ottawa, it's all about, you know, being sellers at the deadline, specifically Ottawa. This is a big month to, to follow if they can get a deal done with either – Shane or Stone, and if not, I mean, both of them were free agents come July 1st. You know, going to have to be moved with the best deals they can get. So that, I think that's what we're looking at for, for uh, from those teams. I will say bright spot for Detroit. Dylan Larkin is a, is a heck of a hockey player, and he's having a heck of a year. Um, Glenn Denning has been playing well for them. Howard, Howard's been playing well uh, up and down a little bit, but um, – Maybe maybe it's time to move move Howard and and start yeah, building your PPP. The the Correct. You could get an. Uh, I don't know if you get a first for him, but you could you could get a no. nice package back, for Jimmy Howard. He's been he's you been having a, a pretty good season. Yeah, he's been having a pretty good season. Um, but but maybe yeah, you're Jimmy looking Howard at Calgary. Uh oh, 
I don't don't do that to the Pacific Division, Chris. <laughs> you don't want to get you don't want to give Calgary a uh, first rate goaltender on this on this market, sir. <laughs> yeah, no, that would make sense. It would I mean, be it would be at... it would be a fit. Yeah, it would be a fit yeah. for sure. Yeah, I don't think you. I mean, either you give up a two or a pair of threes. I mean, so I don't think. Yeah, and Detroit would be should be happy with that. So you get a three uh, and a still, and a prospect, something like that. Some yeah, some combination yeah, of like a and a prospect. Sure. Yeah, some kind of co- combination there of. Uh, uh, and then we get and then we'll finish up with the Metro. Um, we'll look at we'll look at the top three currently: Washington, Columbus, Pittsburgh. First, Washington was on fire leading into New Year's Eve, 16-3 uh, and three in their last 19, and then they've gone 0-2-1 this week. Ovechkin, who made some news this week, 30 goals in 39 games. Uh, it's just been ridiculously good, obviously, on pace sure. for 60 goals. Um, you know, they're, they're, to me, the favorite to win that division. Um, I know it's very tight, uh, and I know Pittsburgh's really coming. Um, although, as of this morning, with last night's game, Pittsburgh might actually be in first place. Um, tied, tied for first. Uh, Washington for first. holds the tiebreaker with one more regulation overtime win. That seems like it's getting a theme here. Uh, twenty-four right. regulation wins to twenty-three for Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, both at fifty-two points. Pittsburgh with uh, Washington with a game in hand. Yeah, and then we got Pittsburgh, who Crosby Company are, are really uh, on a roll right now. Eight-game winning streak. Um, and you know Malkin is yet really to catch fire. To something to keep in mind. And who would have thought before the season started that at the halfway point we'd be saying that Casey DeSmith would be would be one of their top players? I mean, twelve six and forward, two point four goals against, and nine twenty six save percentage. I mean, really? Nice, I huh? mean, um, yeah. So they're 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 in the mix. They're a dangerous team to watch as always. And let's keep in mind that you know they've won the cup two of the last three years. So uh, with this group and. Um, and then we have Columbus, who you know had a had a unaspiring performance last night. I saw this morning NHL on the fly, and I they showed Tortorello's press conference. Uh, he's just classic. That. Oh, oh <laughs> part timers! That's what he called everyone. We had a bunch of part timers tonight. We stunk. Is that right? Uh, yeah, in Carolina, that's what he said. Yeah. So wow. I mean, it seems See like what I mean that goes back to. That goes back to what I said earlier. If the coach needs to call out some in a general sense, you know, after a game where you don't feel like you got your best effort from your team and you, and you do a press conference, Torts is, Torts is classic for that. Um, that's okay. You're, you're in the room. You're, you're leading the group on the ice. And, and if Torts needs – you know, they're number three overall in the Metro. They're not, they're not having a bad season. But if he thinks they mail no. something in, um, I'm okay with the coach – Giving a, giving him the business a little bit directly following the game. I'm sure he didn't say anything to the media that he hadn't already said to that group in the room after the game. So right. it, 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 the torch is just great for a quote after a bad performance like that. I love listening to Tortorella, his old school mentality a little bit, softened up a little bit over the years from from uh, with, when he was with the Rangers or yeah with with the Rangers. But um, yeah, that, that's, that's also okay. his body language. Now, it, it's yeah, not, yeah. It's not it, even just a it's just quote. straight up disgust. You can just see the disgust dripping from when he when he gets into that kind of a mood. It's just just liquid disgust dripping from his soul 
and sometimes I just love to see that. And I, and I'm fine with that coming from inside the room and from the coaching staff. But if you had had a CEO or an owner or somebody take the mic last night after the game and say those same comments, I'd, I would just not, that's not appropriate. I think that's a great example of how I can come from one side and, and the guys in the room can look at each other in the eye and and address what needs to be done. But if, if the guy who's making those comments doesn't come into the room and you can't look him in the eye, then you don't need to be saying things like Dallas, the CEO, did. That's fantastic. Yeah, and, and you know, and then we get uh, – uh, and Cam Atkinson's been their MVP this year. And, look, they yep. have their situation with Bobrovsky and – and Panarin, and the way I see it is, for better or for worse, they're going to just ride this out, and, you know, they, they're hoping that they have some, you know, there's no reason why with their roster that they can't go on a run in the playoffs, especially if they wind up being fit in the Metro, and, you know, they can be to Washington, they can be to Pittsburgh, and if they play to their to their p- potential, to play to their top A game, they're capable, and uh, I think that's how they're going to play play it out, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I uh, I think they're damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. I think if they if they don't make a move, these guys, and they both wind up walking, everyone will critique them to the cows come home. They didn't get anything to them in return, especially if you know they wind up uh, having a first round playoff ouster. But the same token, if they were to move them for picks and prospects, granted, very high picks and very high prospects, I think I, I think they would get get killed on that front as well. So I think they're kind of twisting between uh, as well and. I think given the fact that this franchise, which has seen a lot of good teams, especially in recent times, never won a playoff series, you know, I don't don't see them selling these guys unless someone beyond overwhelmed them, and I don't see that happening. But um, then we get to my team, which is – I want to disagree with you on that. I think they have to move uh, unless they can get one or both of them signed. You you can't go through what the Islanders did with Tavares and get nothing for those players. Um, there's no guarantee that it, with those two players that you can get past Pittsburgh or Washington. Last year they go yeah. on the road. They win they win the first two games in Washington. Come home, lose a tough double overtime game, and then lose three straight and they're bounced out of the playoffs. If that happens and you haven't got anything and they both walk, I think that's your worst case scenario PR wise. Um, if you keep both those players, you better be in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I don't think that's a given with who they would have to play in that first round, either a Washington or a Pittsburgh. Um, I, I think if you can't get them signed, you have to move them and, and build your team for the future. Because I think the return for a Panarin and the return for a Bobrovsky, the only two-time Vezina Trophy winning trophy, uh, goaltender in the league, um you can put yourself into a position where, if not next year, two years down the road, you, you're setting up uh, a long-term run atop that Metropolitan Division. I think um, if you draft well and the prospects you get pan out in that, those two deals, you can't go into the offseason losing a first-round series, losing Bobrovsky, losing Panarin, and uh, have that what you sell your fan base Um you you either have to sign one or both of them or move one or both of them. I mean, in my opinion, um, I, I don't he, think that's going to happen though. I don't think I, I don't uh, think I, I don't think Panarin's going to uh, sign. I think he's at bare minimum he's going to do what Tavares did and sit down with everybody. I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think that I don't think he's going to sign. And I think, I think Bobrovsky will sign, but he wants 
he wants a seven year he wants Carey Price's contract, which I think would be crazy to do, uh, given that he's going to be 31 in 2019, and given the amount of games he's played in his career. So I think, given the I circumstances, I, I uh, you know, and I don't, I just don't know if they're going to if uh, if they're going to do that. I don't know if they're going to Columbus might do be, that to their season. They might be the most intriguing team to keep our eye on as we head towards the. the the trade deadline and the rest of the season because excuse me, how do you, how do you tell it? it, it let's say you're Keck line and what's your statement to the fans when you get bounced by Pittsburgh in the first round and you lose Bobrovsky, let's say July 3rd, Bobrovsky's gone, Panarin's gone and you've been sitting on the sidelines since the middle of April. What, what do you tell your fan base then? You tell them that we, we thought we had a team that can go on, uh, go on a playoff magic and, we thought that was our best foot forward, and it didn't work out. And we're going to, you know, we have a lot of good pieces and a lot of good players on this roster, and we see no reason why we can't compete. And while we didn't get, you know, ask, you know, future assets for them, and that's what we would have gotten for them in terms of prospects and draft picks uh, at, the, at the deadline, and also as great as they, you know, as talented as they are, because they were rentals, it was, you know, it was only going to be so much. And we do have the cap space, and you know we're going to be aggressive via trades and free agency to get get this team yeah. better. Yeah, you, mean, you've got I, you've got the general manager speak one hundred and one down to a science, buddy. Mm-hmm. And that that is that is what you tell your fan base. But um, so you know, you were you were just good enough to lose a first round series with Bobrovsky and Panarin. You've got nothing in return for him, and now you're going into the new season. Um, without them, goodness gracious! I, oh, it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, we got to have someone from Columbus on here. Um, yeah, Mark Scheider. We got to get Scheiger back on towards the trade deadline and see where we're headed with this club. Because I'll tell you what, let's get into the Islanders right now. Um, they're charging. <coughs> I love, <coughs> I love what Barry Trotz and and Lamarillo. Um, just just think in the off season what that guy's going to do with this club, but but for now they're on fire. Barzal is catching fire. He started off the ceiling uh, season with maybe a little bit of a sophomore slump, uh, maybe a little pressure to repeat last year's performance. But it seems like now um, the two games we saw him play against the Golden Knights and then um, the last the last few games. Um, Hey, he he's coming back to being the Barthol we expected him to be this season. The the defensive structure is is there. Uh, the goaltending's been good. You have an article on IonIslesFS.com this week how the Islanders need to re-sign Robin Leonard. That's a really good read if anybody wants to go over and check that out. Uh, go to IonIslesFS and, and, and go through that because uh, Chris does a great job following the Islanders. You know that's his baby. Um, but so so right now. That they're one one point back, uh, game in hand against Columbus, uh, seven points clear of Carolina, and and in a, a real good spot to contend for a wild card. They're they're one point back in Montreal right now. Both, uh, oh, maybe at one point back, but they have games. Point, they have a couple of games in hand. They have two games in hand on Montreal and Buffalo. Um, and uh, when we uh, when we looked at this division at the start of the year, we thought that there was going to be a train wreck. Um, but you know, you know, Trotz wasn't going to let that happen. Uh, Lamarillo put together a decent team, and and when 
I remember uh, when the Knights were playing Edmonton earlier this year and shellacked Edmonton. I was following the game on Twitter, and they were like, oh, fire the coach. And then can the coach make that much of a difference? Yes, the coach can make that much of a difference. Trotz took basically mostly the same roster as last season, uh, minus one of the best centers in the league, and has turned him into a playoff contender at the halfway point. There's no other way around it. Um, with Barsal coming coming along and and he's been on fire, I, I, there's no reason this team can't compete with those um, Atlantic Division teams for that wild card spot, sir. Yeah, I mean it's just really been a team effort. They've all bought in uh, to Trots and and Ooh. playing a complete defensive game, not just from their being more responsible from their blue liners, but in terms of their forwards coming back and and you know sticking to the system and. And again, this is a team that I, I think has been uh, underwhelming at the coach head coaching position the last couple of years, and you can see the difference of having arguably the best coach in hockey, or one uh, easily one of the best top, uh, from, top five. from being no question, yeah, easily, yeah. And um, uh, but having said that, you know, you know, everyone's you know for the most part, everyone's played well from their veterans, guys like Johnny Boychuk and Andres Lee and Barzell's, like you said, is caught fire. The goalies show that they're a good uh, one-two punch in Grice and Leonard. I think Leonard leads the league or did going into the end of the week in terms of both goals against and save percentage. Uh, he's back in the nets. He's going to be back in the nets tonight. Um, yeah, they're they're in a good place. They want to keep keep things rolling. It's been, uh, you know, it was an article in New York Newsday yesterday that the Islanders are the best story in the NHL so far this year. And uh, uh, for Islander fans who who felt like they were on the right track in terms of even though they lost Tavares from the standpoint of they had Trotz, they had Lou, but this might be kind of a retooling or regrouping year. I, I thought they would be better than all the gloom and doom, but I, I didn't think they would, be, they would be a team contending for a playoff spot, nor did I think they would be almost 10 games over 500 uh, hitting into the, early into the new year. So, uh, sure. like I St. Louis tonight, uh, so that'll be... One thing that stuck out to me, and I watched the Chicago game uh, Thursday night, the fourth line, Clutterbuck, Martin, and I, I think oh. Sezikis plays on that line too. Yeah. Got to be one of the better fourth line possession, physical, yeah. Uh, yeah, creating they, they offensive opportunities. One of the one of the better fourth lines in hockey. Uh, the depth is, on that team is there. I think the pipeline on that team is there. Uh, I think the Beauvillier had a really nice game, very active, very yeah. noticeable. And, and like you said, Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey, the the forward core is is in place. And, and you give Lamarillo a year or two, and you work some of the, you know, you had a great draft with Wallstrom and Dobson. Wallstrom had a uh, beauty, beauty goal uh, in in the juniors uh, yesterday against Russia. Uh, Dobson assisting, and I mean the Islanders are looking good for for a, uh, you know a few years to come, uh, and and it's going to get better. So to be you know, one point out of a wild card spot right now. Uh, you've got to figure they're a year or two ahead of the game with with Trotz and Lamarillo at the helm. Uh, I I love where the Islanders are headed. Yeah, and then we get to the rest of the division, and I don't really. I guess Carolina is probably the best bet, right? In terms of get itching themselves, getting on a run. Um, you know, saw how they played last night at home against Columbus. I think they've had a couple wins also recently this week against Philly. And um, maybe they can get get going and get into uh, get into the fray, if you will, one of those wild card spots. But you know the Rangers, 
I mean, they're, I guess they're hanging around, but they want to be sellers at the deadline. Um, Kevin Hayes will Again. be moved. Then, yeah, they're not going to re-sign him. He's a free agent. He's having a really good year. There's even been talk about Chris Greider. He's had a phenomenal year. He's only signed through next year at a 4.85 cap hit. I think he'd probably be more likely to be traded in the offseason because right. that's more of a hockey trade. Although, although they, you know, they, they were very aggressive in trading Ryan McDonough at the deadline last year, so I shouldn't really say that. I mean, the Devils, God bless them, they won last night, but they're just not deep enough. Again, this is a team that's overachieved these last couple of years, uh, and and they've really, uh, despite the the roster, have been one of the top power play penalty killing units, uh, and that's been the difference for them in terms of winning a 3-2 contest versus losing it. It's just not there this year. They're just not deep enough. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they move forward. They got some big decisions and have to convince Taylor Hall only has one year to go on his deal. And then, uh, and then we have you know Philadelphia, who's been a major, major disappointment. Uh, you know, so uh, um, you know this this year. So uh, I don't know where they go from here, but it seems like Wayne Simmons is going to be being moved between now and mid-February. So. Um, they they got a lot of talent. I wouldn't totally push the panic button, but um, there's going to be some changes there as well. Yeah, 100%. I just I agree with everything you just said, Chris. I'm looking at we got some early hockey scores. I was trying to follow along real quick, but I agree with everything you just said. Yeah, so it'll be like I said, it's going to be a fun race uh, uh, there, and uh, you know. But so before we finish up, I know you wanted to dive into. Uh, a rule suggestion for our overtime segment on sure. uh, in terms of end of periods and power plays. Yeah, well, I've been kicking this around for a couple of years now, and it, it seems with you know the 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 league wants to go t- more towards uh, a higher scoring league and and reducing goalie pads and stuff like that. Well, it, I, I just had an idea that if if you get towards the end of the of the period, and obviously first or second and third period only applies if we're going to overtime. Um, and and a team takes a penalty in the last two minutes of a period. There's a lot to be said for allowing the other team, the you know the coach of the other team, to defer that, uh, accepting that penalty until the start of the the next period. Um, so it, if you take, let's say you take a holding penalty with a minute ten on the clock, um, you, and, and you're the you're the team team's coach who can accept or defer the penalty there's a few things that would go into it there's there's sometimes where let's say that if the other team's coming off another penalty and your team has a whole lot of momentum um you know where and the the other team's penalty killers are are tired and they've been worked out the last five minutes or so where you'd want to accept that penalty and try and press that advantage there at the end of the period but it's always frustrating to me to see a team who's just starting to get set up on the power play um, at the end of a period, and then ha- have the horn go off, and then both teams get a rest. The, the the team that committed the penalty is almost rewarded by where they get to run out fresh first line penalty killers uh, to kill off the last thirty forty seconds of a penalty. Um, so it, you know if it, if if things aren't really going your way, and so let's say the the team at the other who commits the penalty um, just takes a bad offensive zone penalty, we've seen it happen. Um, you get through the rest of the period. You start off the the next period with a clean sheet of ice. You 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 will have to run into the other team's second team penalty killers, and it gives you longer to set up your power play when, instead of breaking it in half. 
Um, I think that you know, I think you'd see a, a noticeable increase in power play scoring uh, if, if you give the coach that decision to make, where you just give me a clean sheet of ice and two uninterrupted minutes of power play time, you know, where we can wear down the other team's penalty killers and get into that second unit. Um, I, it's just a suggestion to throw out. I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, no, I, I, I've heard that theory kicked around before, and it's definitely a big advantage for a team, the penalty killing team, to kind of break up that power play at the end of a right. end of a period kind of thing. Uh, I guess the pros for for the team on the power play is uh, theoretically speaking, you could have your first unit on for almost the whole power play, but it, you know it's a rhythm thing as well. So uh, sure. I wouldn't be totally against it. I mean, scoring is way up this year. So uh, from that standpoint, and it's breaking a tradition, which I guess some people will be uh, will be against. But I mean, I can understand the I can understand your point of view of saying, "Gee whiz, we get a power play, there's fifth 45 seconds to go, and it's like you lose a face off or make a play, and then and it almost feels like we get cheated on our power play." So uh, yeah, but, exactly. so I I, I, I could totally totally get where you're uh you're coming from with that so uh all right so with that i guess uh, that is our, our friday bank this week um we got a couple of great shows coming up for everybody the next two weeks we have uh next week we have we have two great hockey insiders uh, that we're lucky enough to call friends coming back to the show they haven't been on the show neither one of them yet this year andrew forbes will be on the show next week talking about uh breaking down the maple Leafs for us and where they're at and where they're going to be moving forward, as well as uh, good old friend J.D. Styles in two weeks on the yes. 19th. Go, go break down the Kings for us. So Absolutely. And, and kudos, kudos to to Jeff. Um, he's had, he had a little bit of health issues there towards the end of last year. It's great to uh, check in with him and see that he's doing much better. And uh, it's our pleasure and, and uh, privilege to have him back on the show and, uh, him and me going going back a long way as Kings fans. We're, I'm sure we're going to have a whole lot to talk about when he comes back on, and it, it's just great to see Jeff healthy and and have the ability to come back on the show because it's always a great time talking hockey with Jeff. Well said, my friend. All right, uh, Chris has his new article out on uh, Eye on Isles FS concerning the Islanders uh, must re-sign Robin Leonard. Make sure you go over and check that out. You can find the link on his Twitter feed, at the NL King. Um, I put out an article. I'm going to start doing some game write-ups for the Vegas Golden Knights, not for the Vegas Golden Knights, about the Vegas Golden Knights on VegasHockeyPodcast.com. And uh, my first one went up today. Uh, Knights win a wild one in Anaheim. They'll go over there and, and VegasHockeyPodcast.com. You can find the link to that at VegasHockeyPod on Twitter. Uh, Chris, it's good to talk hockey with you again, buddy, and just go around the league. I uh, had a great time. Enjoyed myself today, sir. Back at you, buddy. I look forward to next week. All right. Happy New Year to everybody, and that's going to do it for this this week of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Uh, tune in next week. We'll be looking at the week that was for the Vegas Golden Knights, and we'll be kicking around the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so until then, we're gone. <laughs>